Hello and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Football Club. I'm your host for this evening, Macca19, and with me is regular co-host Fishing Rico4. How are you going, buddy? Yeah, good things, Craig. You? Good, good. Um, and we've got a very special guest this, uh, this evening. Um, it's one of our real old school posters. Um, <laughs> she used to be a moderator of our board. Uh, she's a true legend of the forum. Of course, I'm talking about Porsche. Are you sure? It doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> um, now, to start things off, I think we might um, just find out a little bit more about our guest, um, just to find out what your history is with the Port Adelaide Footy Club, um, how you came to support mm. the club, and maybe a little bit about how you discovered Big Footy as well. Okay. Um, well, look, I, I suppose I'm a pretty contrary person, and I, I've got family that were into the Port Adelaide Football Club since time immemorial, I think. Uh, and as a kid, I tried to be against that. I was raised in the Nord District, the North Adelaide District, the State District, so naturally I should have been a Crows fan. Um, and there was a lot of people trying to pull me that way. Um, but I didn't go that way because uh, ultimately the teams that uh, were in those areas, at the times that I was almost choosing them, they were just completely rubbish and I was completely dissuaded from it. Um, I remember I tried to be a West Adelaide fan for one day in a double header with the Magpies game first for some reason and then West versus North. And I talked my family into hanging around to watch the West Adelaide game. I lasted about a half. West were getting done by North Adelaide. And all I could hear from my grandfather was, why are we watching this shit game? Um, (laughs) So, um, but really, as far as Port Adelaide, my actual commitment to the club, I'd say it really came when we entered the AFL. Um, We had really good seats and I just really got into it. I suppose I really, it crystallised the year before uh, in that prelim final where Scott Hodges kicked that miracle goal uh, against Nord. Um, and we got through the grand final, 1996. And I suppose I just was sitting there and I was thinking, this is definitely, definitely going to get through. We've got plenty of time to win this. And everyone else is jumping out of their seats. And I was like, no, we got it. And we, we had it. That was really, that was, it. that was it for me, I think. And from there I'd just been stuck, you know. Um, when you see that sort of return, you go, oh, well, that's it. You know, I can't turn my back on that now. So, yeah, and since then I've just been really fanatically Port Adelaide. I've probably been too invested into it at times, but, um, you know, it's really been pretty rewarding over the journey. Absolutely. And how about how you discovered Big Footy? Oh, um, by chance, really. I used to be on the IRC channels on uh, one of the networks, and there was an AFL channel, which I was completely obnoxious on, uh, and <laughs> they mentioned, you know, there's a Big Footy forum. I went to the front page, and I didn't discover the forum at first because it just looks like some dodgy news site, and I thought, oh, what do I do? But eventually I found the link in and I was like, oh, my God, I can talk football all the time. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was basically it. And uh, I think my first post was something about uh, a Frio fan trying to poach Jared Schofield. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? So um, started with an argument and I think I've been going ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, well, moving along, um, it was a pretty big week for Port Adelaide this week. Of mm. course, the power got over the Suns by 17 points. Um, it's really put us in the box seat for the finals. And the Maggies got over South Adelaide by nine points in Antarctica. That was a, that was a pretty good win. Um, and Matty Lobie has re-signed for two more years as well, so that really shows mm. up our Ruck uh, contingent. Um, and, of course, Brett Ebert retiring uh, today. Um, so there's mm. plenty to talk about. Um, we might jump straight into the love-hate, uh, which is something we do every week. So, uh, one thing you love, one thing you hate in and around the Port Adelaide Football Club this week. Um, Porsche, I might throw to you first. Okay, well, look, um, my love one, I have to say, uh, it was a really small one, just one play. Uh, it was where Matty Broadbent uh, blocked from uh, Justin Westhoff in the first quarter to get his second goal. And it was just really nice to see uh, that we're returning to a point where teams, the team is actually backing each other up, where they're not just going, okay, where's my stat? They're doing the important little things as well. And I thought that was a massive turnaround from the last few years. Um, I'll just add another quick little love I hadn't thought of before, which is the fact that Kane Corns, I, I had a thought he had a really good game in that I didn't have a face palm moment at all and, you know, I didn't do much, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, the one hate I had, oh gosh, you know, Alipati Carlisle, there was one play, I think it was in the third or fourth quarters, and he fumbled the mark, mucked up the kick and mucked up uh, some other part of it. And it just looked like a comedy of errors. It was really ugly. I've tried not to rewatch it. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't know. It's There's so many little bits that are missing with that guy. But there's so many good things he does. I don't know what to say. But uh, that's, that's my love and hate. Where, 
That's not the play where he kicked it straight to Gary Ablett, is it? <laughs> I think it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best player to kick it to. Yeah, well, you know, you know he's going to do something with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that's the thing with Carlo. I think you take the good with the bad sometimes, and you, you know he's going to stuff up once or twice during the game, and, and yeah. you know he's going to do one or two good things. And the best thing about him this year is he's learned how to run, which is, um, which is something that I didn't think he could do. Um, I didn't think he had legs, so that's a bonus. Yeah, but um, I mean, like, you look at that, though, and you look at someone like Stephen Paxman, and Stephen Paxman didn't make anywhere near that many mistakes, you know? Uh, and Stephen Paxman, I liked him, he was a great player, but he's not an Australian. He was not a, a top-rate fullback, but he was solid. And you look at Alipati and he does those dumb things that a, a regular good fullback shouldn't really do. He's a taller Adam Kingsley, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be dissing Adam Kingsley. <laughs> Good old scare himself. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rick, what about your love and hate for this week? Oh, my love uh, this week, I thought I wanted I wanted to acknowledge uh, Brett Ebert, and uh, he was a bit of a malign player at times, especially on the board, but, uh, you know, he's been a great servant of the footy club in his own right, and, you know, playing mid-160 games is a, a great achievement, and he's got him got his name on the locker, and, you know, to me, 2007 will always be a memorable season for, for me with Brett. It was a fantastic season. I think, I'm going by memory here, I think he kicked 55 goals, and, uh, you know, he'll uh, he's got his name on the locker and he's immortalised uh, in his own right for Port Adelaide and sort of came out of his father's shadow. Yeah, he was a very good player. I remember in 2003, he just came onto the power list. I remember watching every Magpies game that year and thinking, God, this guy's got to get an opportunity soon. He ended up winning the McGarry medal at 19. I think he was the youngest McGarry winner for God knows how long, 20 or 30 years, I think. He had such a good year that year playing as a midfielder. But he just never seemed to get a go in the midfield, um, in the power side. I know he said today, well, we had a pretty good midfield in those years, but I don't know, we just didn't really give him a, a shot until, I don't know, probably about 2011 to, to have a chance running through the middle. But even, even so, you know, he, he turned into such a good forward um, for a few years there. And, it, you know, he, he gave his all, and, and you can't you can't fault the guy for that. You know, he was a pretty good player. And as you said, his name's on the locker. He's our third highest goal kicker of all time. And no doubt um, he'll be in the memory bank of a lot of our supporters for, for a very long time. And what about your hate, mate? Oh, my hate? Uh, not as controversial as uh, last week, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching the uh, the replay, um, trying to just fathom the games, because uh, I was sitting in suite one, and it's a bit hard to see from, from behind <laughs> oh, the goals. Oh, good luck. <laughs> I know. I got a free ticket. It was fantastic. <laughs> but you're sitting right behind. Okay? Pardon? Were the prawn sandwiches okay? Yeah, they weren't bad. The sirloin uh, steak was all right too, actually. Oh, lovely. And the free and the free wine. But you're right behind <laughs> the Northern Goals. But uh, so I'm watching the replay on uh, straight after the game, and uh, next minute I'm listening to Mark Rusciuto, and I'm I'm swear I was watching Port play Gold Coast, but he starts making reference to uh, Gorringe kicking a goal, and then um, Favola kicking a goal for Carlton to beat the Crows, and. I was just sitting there going, what's this got to do with Port versus Gold Coast? I don't, why am I listening about the Crows? It's got nothing to do with the game, and I don't really like the Crows, and I don't really want to hear about memories of the Crows and a loss, even though it was a loss, so that's a good thing. And um, and then follows it up a little bit later on in the broadcast when they're talking about Jaeger O'Meara, and he, he starts bringing up Brad Crouch. And, you know, Again, it's a Port game. Let's talk compare him to maybe some young Port players instead of the Crows game. So I think the commentating really got gave me the irrits and he's got to get a bit classy in that. And I think overall the standard of commentating in the AFL is, can be a bit uh, below par and that was a big, big example of it. Yeah, definitely. I'd have to say Mike Rusciuto, he's an absolute muppet this game. Normally he's pretty good, but uh, total rubbish this time. Just pulling in the Crows at every opportunity and who wants to hear it? I mean, I suppose if you take the view that the Crows season's over so they might follow Port Adelaide, I guess that might be logical. I don't know. Or barrack against them. I, I just don't understand it at all. Yeah, no, normally I don't mind him um, as a commentator, mm. apart from his, his ridiculous monotone voice and... <laughs> Oh, his voice tends to grate on me a little bit, but usually what he says is pretty good, and especially this year he's been quite a big um, a backer of Port Adelaide and our progress this year, so for him to, to go on about the Crows in the middle of a Port game um, on a regular basis, so it was pretty disappointing on the weekend. Yeah, um, he just needs to talk about football, doesn't he? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, it, talk right. about the game in here. No? Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, Scott Hodges kicked a pretty good goal in that pocket as well, you know. I mean, while we have mm, to talk mm. about Favola, I'm not sure. But um, mm. my love and hate for this week, my love was Heartless Bump. Um, unlike Rick, I was slumming it in the outer um, at this stage. Um, <laughs> to, quote, to quote a very famous Crow supporter, it happened right in front of me. Um, you could hear the the clash of the bodies and the probably the head clash as well um, from where I was about 30 metres back. Um, it was just a great old-fashioned bump, and you know I'm not really concerned too much that he's going to miss a couple of games. Um, you know I was hooting and hollering like an idiot when that happened. I, I absolutely loved that. Um, and what I hated was probably the second and third quarters. Um, I think we got a bit leery. We started to leerize, and just as Gold Coast started to come back, um, you know, you're checking the scores on your iPhone and you're watching. Um, Carlton do the exact same thing, almost in exact unison, when Gold Coast kicked a goal, Carlton kicked a goal. Um, and just for about half an hour there, you're thinking, well, geez, our season's looking pretty good, we're going to make the finals now. And mm. then half an hour later, suddenly, well, this has just turned to shit. You know, we're going to bloody, we're going to lose, and Carlton are going to win, and thankfully we, we actually won in the end. Um, not to say that Richmond did the same thing, but that's what you sort of expect from Richmond. Um, so that's probably what I hated this week as well. We might go straight into the review of the Gold Coast game. Um, Port Adelaide won 16 goals 17 to 14 goals 12. Um, it's kept us in 8th spot on the ladder. Uh, we're two games clear of Carlton. Um, I might throw to Porsche and get a quick overview of the game. Okay, this will be extremely quick. Um, essentially, the first quarter, I think that we uh, we did okay. We didn't really put on the scoreboard as much as I would have liked. Um, but yeah, we did all right. And then the second and third quarters, as you said just now, Macca, we just really fell away. Um, and you look at uh, the way Gold Coast are playing. They're playing like a team that don't know how good they can be. And uh, I think Gary Ablett, uh, they're still looking to him. They shouldn't be looking to him. They don't need him anymore. Uh, and that's quite an amazing thing to say about one of the best players in the game. But uh, they can all stand up by themselves and have a game without him if they really want to. Uh, and I think that uh, we really got a bit lost. I, I don't know. I, I'm really worried about our focus sometimes. And this is certainly a period for that. But to come home in the last quarter, uh, I think our fitness saw us fit again. Oh, look, I have to say, with all these last quarter finishes, I'm really nervous that we might be doing some illegal drugs thing. <laughs> uh, I'd really hate to find that out in three years' time because it's just not worth it for this season. Good season, but I uh, really hope this is all legitimate. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's all I've really got, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, that's all good. Rick, what were your thoughts, mate? Oh, well, yeah, very similar. I mean, I've been banging on repeatedly about our, our fade-outs and... Um, I guess Gold Coast isn't as strong as uh, some of the other teams we've played, especially Geelong the week before, you know, and, and we, when you fade out for uh, a period of the game in the third quarter, we did it again where I think the possession count was like 20 to four early on and they kicked three goals. I mean, you're just going to get burned. But I mean, our first quarter was fantastic. I thought Ebert was great in the first quarter. Mm. He was, he just was influential everywhere and he was just hard running and, I remember ET was saying a few weeks ago um, I, when we were chatting about, you know, he just loves watching Ebert, just run the lines, and you know, his first first quarter was was epic. Um, you know, I know we faded in the the second and third, but I always felt like we had control of the game. And watching the replay, mm. I still sense like we had control. And the, the the friend I was sitting next to, you know, he he was getting a bit worried, and I never really had that worry that we were. Uh, we were going to lose. I just felt like we just had no, um, again, no system going into our forward line. We were very sloppy and very predictable, just just bombing. We seemed to be bombing it long a lot of the time. And, you know, and we just need to really tidy up our, I mean, especially with Freo. I mean, they're such a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Um, you know, we just need to get it together with our forward delivery. And, you know, and, and I, I just, we lacked that run. First quarter, run was there. Second and third quarter, we got the lead. It was... It was almost Choco-esque sort of time, you know, where let's just try and preserve the lead instead of going for the kill and, and trying to win the game. And, uh, you know, I just... But I, I thought, you know, Robbie Gray, I thought he had a great uh, game of football again. That's two weeks in a row for me. I was re very happy with how he, he uh, roved around the packs and uh, dished off the ball and his disposal was fantastic. And, 
you know, it was probably three, four weeks ago, I was very critical of Robbie and, uh, you know, you could really see the, the runs getting back into his legs. Um, there was a passage of play, which I, I'd really like people, uh, to, if they haven't noticed it themselves, uh, in the second quarter where Wingard um, was running for the ball on the outer wing and uh, just before, you could just see, it just showed, to me it showed how good Chad is with his thought process and his vision. And watching it on the replay on the TV, you actually see... He, I can't remember the, uh, the Gold Coast player, but he's running for the ball and he already knew that when he got the ball, he was going to be there first. He was going to spin and dish it straight off to the port player running past mm. and that's exactly what happened and he just went bang. He could, he already, you could just tell that he knew what he was going to do in the game play before he actually got it and it was, it was just an amazing uh, passage of play and, and Porsche, I know you brought up Brody in his block and I thought I thought Brody's whole court game was fantastic. You know, yeah. He, you know, the week before, he was very... I mean, he probably had two quiet games, didn't he? Oh, and, he's had a few. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so I was just starting to wonder, are we getting this lull patch in Brody again? And Gold Coast <laughs> just refused to, to man him up. And, uh, you know, he dominated. And, and uh, you know, Boak, is he the unassuming uh, assassin? I could not believe <laughs> that he got he got 35 possessions. It's like, where, mm. where, did, he get all, where did he get all this ball from? You know, he's just so... He's just, you know, he's as everyone's been pointing out in the media and everywhere, just quality player. And uh, the other person I thought was that controlled our defence and really gave us some assurance in our defence was uh, Jackson Trengove. He, he he really showed that he's starting to get great timing in the game now. Um, and all game he he was making the right decisions and and he's just a monster when it comes to tackling now. I can't, yeah. I can't remember the last time someone's actually broken a, a tackle with Jackson. He's just rock solid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, look, look. I thought we, we played pretty well in the first quarter. I mean, we kicked seven goals against the wind. Um, it looked set for a, for a pretty big victory. Um, I was loving life at quarter time. Um, and then we just stopped. I, I just thought we lairized too much, you know, kind of front run. Um, we were over handballing. We were running forward of the play. And we were turning the ball over with our hands, um, and then we went running both ways. Like, Gold Coast just had too many players free um, back in inside their forward 50, and they just kept kicking goals. And I thought we, whilst we probably had the game um, under control, um, it would have been really good to, to win by quite a large margin and, and try and get some percentage over Carlton um, heading into round 23. I think that's a real missed opportunity here. Something I'm pretty disappointed about. Um, I think we, we way um, overused the ball. I think we had something like 100 more disposals and, and only 15 more inside 50s. Um, we, sm- we absolutely smashed them again in the hit-outs. Loby's doing such a fantastic job in there. But we just couldn't put it on the, sport- on the scoreboard in the end. Um, so I walked away pretty disappointed. Even though sort of when Chad kicked that first goal of the last quarter, I thought, you know, we- we've got this one. Um, you know, it was still a bit of a disappointing result. Um, I think that the the, uh, the major thing to come out of it is just how bloody good Travis Boke is as a captain. Um, yeah, yeah. I, question is, uh, you know, has he been the best captain on field this season? I reckon he probably has been. I think that uh, when Dwayne Russell shouted out mid-broadcast, you know, all-Australian captain Travis Boke, and I, I love that because it, it yeah. really is the case. You look at the guys that are ranked above him, and I think he's probably been a better captain than any of them in the midfield stakes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that if he gets in, he might be captain, and maybe that might get him in. It's hard to say, but uh, inspirational, that, absolutely. Don't forget there's a love affair with uh, Joel Selwood with Geelong, though. <laughs> Yeah, I well, think he's yeah. probably a Monty for the captaincy in, in All-Australian at the moment. But I think just Boke's consistency this year, I think back to the pre-season, I'm not sure I thought I, he had it in him to, to really no. raise his game this much. Like He has been absolutely fantastic. I, I think it's probably... Mm. I've been thinking about previous captains and, and their best years, and I'd put this right up there with Tim Ginevers 1994 and Matthew Primus's wow. 2002 um, for me personally. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say something about Trevor, but he wasn't captain for his best years, was he? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's... <laughs> mm. The other uh, yeah, question but... I've got is, uh, is probably, will our handball game plan stand up if we make the finals? What really worries me is that um, I think that Port Adelaide can still be beaten the same way, and it's been the case for years, which is that 
When teams overlaid the area between, oh, I don't know, just inside the defensive 50 and the back of the centre square, we really tend to get shut down. And I think that's why we focused a lot on small marking forwards and so forth, and also on making sure there's a lot of space in that area by undermining the forward line. And I just look at this match coming up with Freo, and I think that's going to happen. I think that all the big sides, Collingwood, they love doing it to us. I really think we're going to have real trouble with the forward line entries. And uh, I think we had a little bit of that um, on the weekend, and I think we'll have a lot more of that come finals. That's a real concern for me. So what were your best players, Rick? Well, I can't go past uh, Travis Boat, can I? I think uh, he was pretty much the standout with 35 disposals and seven inside 50s and three goals won and, you know, great captain's game. And, and as we've been talking and everyone's been talking about on the forum, you know, he's uh, he's uh, right up there in the AFL this year for standout captains. I'm sure the other people argue Um I thought I had uh, Jackson uh, Trengrove up there. Like I said, I thought his uh, effort in uh, in defence and marshalling the defence was uh, was fantastic. And I thought Brad Ebert dropped out a little bit in the second half, but again, his whole his whole game and and Matty Broadbent uh, again were just very influential. And you know, there's no surprise that our midfielders are starting to stand up this year, and uh, and that's giving us a bit more benefit and. I'd probably I'd like to just highlight Andrew Moore as well. His mm. his inside work is becoming really uh, impressive, and and you know in a contested pack situation, you know he's putting his head down, and numerous times now you just see him driving through those contested situations with people sort of trying to hold on and trail. So he's really getting some confidence in his body and uh, and his strength to really push through. And uh, I can't wait to watch Andrew next year. I think he's going to be very exciting for us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Andrew Moore is going to be a, a really great player for us in the future. I've said a couple of times now that um, yeah, 2014, I think, is going to be his year. He's the player I'm most looking forward to see how he develops. And I really think he could become one of our absolute key players in that midfield. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Bokey was the best on ground. 35 touches and three goals. I mean, there's nothing he can't do uh, this year. He's been absolutely fantastic. I absolutely love Brody's game. Um, he's been a little bit up and down this year, but the second half of his season has, has been pretty good. Um, I really liked Ebert's game, especially his first half. I thought he was one of our key players in, in really getting us out to a big lead early on. Um, I thought Robbie Gray had a great game, four goal assists. Um, you know, probably one that I think if you're looking at the game or, or at the ground, um, you didn't really notice him. Um, do all that much um, but certainly on replay you really notice all the little things he did I think that's the same for Ollie Wines as well um, and I really loved um, Jackson Trengove I thought he was fantastic um, in, in a couple of different roles um, and I thought when he went into the ruck whilst he didn't really get much hands on the ball he, he still got the ball down to the to the uh, to the midfielders and got the clearances we needed in the last quarter yeah, um, look, my best players are actually pretty much the same as you guys. Uh, I suppose the only addition I'd really add is um, I still like um, Westhoff's game. I, I love the fact that you can rely on him to try and take all the half chances and turn it into something. Um, I know that at one stage we used to like that and we've probably had a bit of, too much of that lately, but he's still the master. I think him and Wingard are probably the two most creative players on the side. Um, I think Wines, he's a great little player as far as uh, stepping up and being important, uh, involved in all the really key players. But apart from that, you've got to go, obviously, your number one's got to be Boke. And then from there, it just all falls into place, as you guys said. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. What about your young player, Rick? Who was your best young player? Oh, well, hopefully I'm not stealing him from one of you guys coming up. But, yeah, I thought, well done, Aaron Young. Yeah, mm. very influential first half. I think he had 11 possessions and... Uh, he obviously might have tied out a little bit in the second half, but I thought he held his own quite well, and it was great to see. He, um, you know, he looked strong with his hands, and uh, he, he took the game on, and uh, his body's really starting to develop. And I'm hoping uh, over the rest of the season and next year he can uh, take it up another level, and uh, we get to see a bit more of him. And Porsche, yours? Um, yeah, I have to say Aaron Young, he was pretty good. Can we still classify uh, Andrew Moore as a young gun or not? Because I think that uh, if yeah, we absolutely. can... Absolutely. Yeah, if we can, definitely him. I think he's just... Uh, it's been really interesting under Hinkley to see the sites of players that are actually rising to the top. And I think that sort of shows us how our future's going to be. And it's all these contested, big-bodied players. Um, and I really like that. That's, that's to me, that's real Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, we'll see that going forward. So I'd say Andrew Moore. 
Nice one. Mine's completely different. I'm going to choose Campbell Heath. Um, <sighs> I, I thought he had a, a really good um, first half of the season. He went out of the side. Yeah. He's, he's come back this week and, and played a completely different role. He kicked two goals. You know, he helped set up the play in the forward line. Um, and I think he's he's got a really big future at the Port Adelaide Football Club, um, whether it is as a defender um, or as a forward. You know, I think it's good to show that he can play a, a number of different roles. That's mm. very true. Mm, he was excellent. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say the, the other thing, the other thing I thought about Andrew Moore, where yeah. you guys are giggling, there is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with dropping players, is there either? Because I mean, That's he true. played early in the season, he got dropped, and everyone was questioning why he got dropped, and maybe there was a message to Andrew, and he dominated the SA NFL, and uh, he racked up massive possessions, and he came back, and he hasn't looked back since, has he? Yeah, well, yeah, you'd think that being dropped back to the SNFL would be enough to get anyone to work really hard to get out of it as quickly as possible. So, yeah, I think well, you're quite right in that respect. I think it was, um, I think, uh, as I mentioned, I think it was in the in the first podcast, I said that um, Hinckley had an after-match interview and he said, if your midfielders don't chase, then you don't get a game. And I, mm. I still think that that was pretty much directed at Andrew Moore because he, he probably deserved to stay in the side, but he ended up getting dropped. He went back. He, he was best on ground a couple of times. And as you've both said, you know, he hasn't looked back since he came back into the side. Well, I think we might move on and talk a little bit more about the SNFL Magpies. Um, the Maggies got a pretty decent win. Um, well, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was a pretty horrid win, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, against South Adelaide down at Arctic Park, they won five goals, eight to four goals, five. A high-scoring affair. Um, there's really not much to say about this game. It was played in horrible conditions at a horrible ground against a horrible opponent. So um, there's really not much to say. Um, James Watt was best on ground. It's his second year of senior football, and I really think he's developing well. And I think out of all the young guys at the Magpies, he's probably uh, the number one player who could develop into that real sort of elite SANFL player. Um, Benny Newton, um, he's really pushing for a call-up to the to the power side now. He had 11 clearances and seven inside 50s. Um, that was by far his best game of uh, SANFL football. Um, and a couple of si- similar names in uh, Sammy Gray. Um, Henry Sol- uh, Slattery had a, a really good game. Uh, Lewis Sherad and um, Nick Madden kicked two goals as well. Um, so we might leave that one there um, and move on to the SANFL power players. Um, who tickled your fancy in the SANFL this week, Rick? Oh, well, we might have to do a shout-out to uh, the small warrior. Hey? Yeah. And uh, I, I'm, I know he's overwhelmed with joy that uh, Benny Newton's getting some uh, uh, kudos and recognition now, but uh, I think we uh, it's it's a pretty lay-down was there with, uh, with Newton. I think, you know... I didn't see the game and I don't see much of the SANFL due to time, but uh, reading the reports and the statistics, he's really starting to step up and he's obviously overcome, starting to overcome those injuries he had from when he was drafted. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, you know, 26 posies and 11 clearances. I'm really hoping that he might even get an opportunity this week. Uh, I think he's a WA boy, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so hopefully he can maybe uh, go over there and... Uh, and uh, take Fremantle by storm and uh, show why we draft him in the first place. And, and I think Kay Mitchell will probably be the other one that's really stood out. And uh, I was, I'm really hoping to see uh, Nick Salter take the, uh, no. take the game by storm, but it's just not happening, is it? <laughs> no, no, no way. It hasn't happened for years now. I'd give up, give up. <laughs> no, I'm talking about take the SA NFL by storm, oh. not the poor, not the poor power side by storm, but just the SA NFL. You know, <laughs> I mean, the report again: three goals, one in the first quarter, and then where's he gone? Yeah, wow. you know? and it, it's just it's just not happening. And I, I feel sorry for Nick, but uh, you know, there's one I was sort of trying to keep an eye out and see a bit more influence in the in the in the lower mm. league, but it's just not happening. Yeah, speaking of uh, players taking the SANFL by storm, I'm going to mention Daniel Stewart, um, who, who took nine marks and uh, kicked a couple of goals. And and maybe, I, I think it's his second or third good game in a row, and, and maybe, just maybe, he might get a game towards the end of the year, uh, just as mm-hmm. another forward option. Um, Portia, what do you think? 
I think that right now we're in a, we're in a position with the power that uh, the only replacements are going to be injury replacements. I think that you might bring Newton in for someone that's out of form, but other than that, I really wouldn't be all that interested in touching the side. I think the guys that are in the SNFL, they need to perform. Need might get a call up, but the others, I think they're just going to be, um, I don't know, treading water until next year, uh, the ones that are hanging around. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, we do yeah. have that spot available with Hartlett out the side in the That's next That's true. Yeah, well, maybe Newton in then. Yeah. And, and Cam Hitchcock, Hitchcock will be out as well. True. Oh, that's true. true. Well, yeah. probably bring Need back in, I guess. Yeah, maybe yeah. Mitchell. Mm, yeah. Maybe, one of them. <laughs> they sound so <laughs> overwhelmed with joy. Oh, well, come on. I mean, let's face it, until we have a proper reserve side, we're not going to really know how good all these guys are, are we? So. Uh, don't uh, only have to wait to 2015. Is that all? <laughs> well, that, that, that's a perfect segue into uh, talking about the SANFL reserves issue. Um, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we might as well speak about it again quickly now. Um, as we know, the Adelaide Crows are, are now entered into the SANFL competition <laughs> for 2014 as the 10th team. I think there's quite a bit of uh, sort of under-the-table deals there, um, talks of concessions and recruiting bans being lifted to SANFL clubs and extra money going under the table. And I don't know, it sort of throws out the notion of uh, integrity being the number one priority for the SANFL. Um, what does this mean for Port Adelaide? Um, at the moment, Port Adelaide is still in the competition as normal. Uh, the Magpies will still be playing with its reserves team um, and all the junior grades and the recruiting zones. Um, there's apparently a league directors meeting on November 1 um, where the story is at the moment is that the league directors will be expelling the club from the SANFL competition <laughs> and then inviting them back um, the next day under the Power Reserves label. Um, now, Rick and myself have spoken about this uh, a little bit on the podcast before, so Portia, I want to get your opinion on this one. <laughs> Look, I think we need a reserve side, but I think the one thing we definitely don't need is the SNFL. Uh, I think that uh, it's really nice and romantic to go back and say, oh, no, we need to have a Port Magpies forever thrashing Nord and thrashing, I don't know, Sturt and Glenelg and all that. And it's a really nice idea, but as soon as it starts costing us money that we could be spending on winning AFL premierships, I think it's a bad idea. Um, I would much rather see, from an AFL perspective, um, that we play in a proper reserves team, uh, side or league, in fact. If we could um, get into the VFL, that would be by far my preferred option. And if we don't have junior teams, well, that's all right. Um, one of the things I've been banging on about on the forum is the fact that you don't have to be from the Port Adelaide postcode to be a Port Adelaide fan or a footballer or whatever else. And uh, I kind of think that that separation, if we did lose our SNFL presence, I think that would be only unifying our brand. Um, and especially if it was the SNFL that had to take out the dagger and get the blood on their hands. I think that would solve everything. I know it's a controversial view, but um, there you go. <laughs> well, it's not a... You go, Rick. Sorry, Craig. I was going to say, it's not overly controversial, and um, <laughs> and that's how I've been thinking too, but I'm starting to wonder, I know I know this might be a bit more New South Wales in a, in a mindset, but um, and I posted it today, I wonder if we maybe uh, reconsider that a little bit and, and look at our, our club more as a sporting club and try mm. and look at a power reserve in the VFL, but maybe keep the Magpies as a complete separate club with the junior in the zones, and stand, but have no power players there whatsoever. So we have the Magpies uh, representing the, the club at SANFL level and then have Port Power in the AFL with the Port Power reserves in the VFL. I don't even know if it's financially viable, but... Uh, look, I, I guess the real thing you've got to worry about is sponsorships. Now, you've got the Port Adelaide sponsors. A lot of them are guys that... Uh, you know, they're national companies, whatever else, and they just want some national team exposure. That's great. But uh, every year that the Magpies exist, yeah, they might be self-sustaining, but they're taking up sponsorships from people in the Port Adelaide district, Port Adelaide fans. And uh, I don't know, it could be money that could be directed towards the power in some respect. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, and I definitely don't have any facts for it, if uh, Russ Liebert handball queries me. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of wonder if we're just diluting what we could possibly be focusing on being the best AFL side around. Mm. Yeah, I am starting to come around to that view. Um, I mean, I love going back to Alberton and watching the Maggies play there. Um, when I used to live in Adelaide, I used to go there, um, you know, every week and watch the reserves mm. as well. It's, it's not something that I can do all that often now. Um, but, I mean, it's just a bit ridiculous, the notion. I just don't understand what, um, I mean, if the league directors do expel the Magpies from the competition. I just don't understand what they're, they're trying to achieve by doing that or how they think that that's going to be... Um, a positive for South Australian football. 
They're trying to create equality, Craig. That's what they want, isn't it? You've got to be equal. Everyone has to be equal, except for when the doggies won 10 out of 11 premiership. That's, that's all right. That's, uh, equality doesn't matter then. That doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter when central supporters, you know, throw millions of dollars into their pokey machines. That's okay. But Oh, look, uh, yeah. there's one thing I've got to say about all of that, and that is really who cares, you know? Um, I've been thinking about this a little bit, and if you look at something like a Port Adelaide Magpies premiership, Okay, let's say next year, or this year, the Port Adelaide Magpies had won the Premiership and the Power finished sixth. In ten years, would you really care that the Port Adelaide Magpies won the Premiership or would you rather that the Port Adelaide Power, you know, finished top four or something like that? Um, I couldn't tell you the last time the Magpies made the finals. I have no idea. Can you guys? <laughs> yeah, 2007. There you go. <laughs> well, 2008, one of them. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Exactly. No, exactly. At the moment in the current model, the, Magp- the Magpies don't really mean too much to me. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think that's the concern I have, is that you've got a few hardcore fans, and some of them, for whatever reason, they don't follow the power, which just completely confounds me. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I just don't know that they're necessarily worth keeping around in that respect. I think that we really have to be extremely rational about it, and I think that's one of the things that's disappointed me about David Kosh. He's really good at a lot of things, but I think in this one, he needs to put his money money mind in and uh, just really start thinking about it. I guess it really depends on how he's playing it. I mean, is he playing it strategically and making sure that if uh, if the Magpies do go under, then it is the mm. SNFL that pulls the trigger on that one? I'd love to imagine that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I take my view from uh, Bruce Weber with his uh, quote post the 1990 McGarry medal, which is that we came here, we got the silverware, and now we're going. And I'd <laughs> like us to do exactly the same thing with the SNFL, totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I've, I think my, um, my optimum situation would be that if the SNFL directors do kick the Magpies out of the competition when they um, invite us back, you know, at 9am the next morning, we tell them to shove it up their ass and that we're going <laughs> to the VFL. I, I think that would be the perfect situation. That would be pretty oh, amazing. Mm. Yeah, and I think the SNFL, not that I care, will be worse off for not having the Magpies there, more so than what we will be. Oh, definitely. We won't suffer at all. Not really. No. There was a very popular thread on the board uh, titled "What Do We Need," which was uh, which was started by Big Daddy on the Port Adelaide forum, um, and it's just talking about list management, uh, draft choices, trade targets, um, and free agent targets as well. Um, so I might throw to you, Porsche, first off, and say, "What do we need?" Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to go back to 2006, and we had a couple of threads on the forums uh, talking about, you know, who should we target, what should we get. And I remember being really gung-ho about, you know, I'm going to get a key forward like I am every year. And at one point, I sort of reflected back and went, hang on, who did we delist? You know, what did we delist? And are we likely to just replace them because we think that's what makes a balanced list? And I think that's the exercise you want to go into at this point in the year. Before you start talking, let's draft this, let's draft that. You need to look at who's probably going out, what sort of players are they, and so therefore, what sort of players are we going to be looking at? So we've got one today, Brady, but's retired, obviously. Cameron Hitchcock's injured and he'll probably go, so we've automatically got two small forward, small midfielder spots open. I think there's no doubt that we'll try and fill at least one of those. Um, and then we've got someone like uh, Nick Salter, I suppose. I think he's probably on his way out, almost certainly. Um, Daniel Stewart, I'd say pretty much the same, in which case I'd say we're going to be looking at a, another, either a flexible centre-half forward, centre-half back type, or a ruck forward. And I think there's no doubt we need both of those, ideally, um, particularly if they could get the uh, good uh, key backman uh, to just uh, support Jackson Trengove so that guys like Homsch or Blee or whoever could actually um, be a third for, uh, third backman. Yep. Um, I think that always you want to keep an eye out for you know any um, flankers or midfielders that might be available. That's great, but I don't know that they're our top priority. I think that uh, we really want to... <laughs> I'm going to say it again. I think we really want one good key position player this year. And if we can get a genuine midfielder and a good small forward in, say, the third round, I think we'll be coming out pretty laughing. Now, one of the things that's um, been of interest is Eddie Betts. And I know that he's got a humongous price tag, he's named, but uh, he'd meet one of those needs quite comfortably. And he's a quality player and he's got a bit of a Port Adelaide background. I think he's from Mallee Park originally. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'd be tempted. I'd want to find out what his price was and if we could negotiate on it. But uh, I'd definitely be looking pretty hard at him, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, about the same. I mean, I would love us to get another key position player um, and a key, sorry, a key position forward and a key position defender, mm. um, especially with some serious height. Um, whether that's experienced or through the draft, I'm not too sure yet. Um, I think there'll be a few options, uh, especially for key forwards available. Um, if we are prepared to pay the price for them. Yeah, that's the um, Yeah, and, and there, there are some pretty interesting young players as well, uh, sort of like Cameron McCarthy and Mitch Harvey, those sort mm. of, sorts of guys. Um, in terms of key defenders, uh, maybe someone like Ben Griffiths, maybe we can sort of etch him away from Richmond a little bit. He's 200 centimetres mm. tall. Even though he's got a few injury issues, we might be able to help him through them. Um, but really what I, I would love us to get is a couple of really speedy midfielders, maybe one particularly outside like an Isaac Smith um, and one in and out sort of player. Um, um, kind of I'm like a, a Chris Judd, that sort of, uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not asking for much, am I? Yeah? <laughs> I mean, I'd love to get a Chris Judd sort of player, but I think as far as the outside-outside player, I, I don't know. As I said earlier, I think under Hinkley we're seeing the sorts of players that are becoming the cream. And every one of them can take a hit. So I don't think we need a, a, a Chris Judd, Nathan Laney type. Um, I think that uh, very much if we're going to be going for a midfielder that does have that outside sort of skill, he's still got to be able to work his way through traffic really well. Um, I don't think there's going to be any pure outsider. And if there is, it might be someone like Cahoon that becomes that. Uh, really not sure about that at all. Um, there's one other thing. Look at the free agency and, and look, oh. at, look yeah, at well, Cooney. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd look at Kenny. Um, I just don't know that we've got enough to offer when he's already happy in Melbourne. Every Melbourne team will offer him big bucks. It's hard to say. You've got to look at what our point of difference is, and I'm not sure we have one for him. Um, yeah, there's one other thing I'd probably look at recruiting, and that's probably a tagger, um, just with Kane Corns. I know that we keep... I have not been his greatest fan, but we've probably got Dom Cassisi. Oh, he might retire this year, he might not. We might keep him on for another year. But regardless, it means that our two number one stoppers outside of Jonas are over, what, 30-ish, and we really need to start looking at what we're going to do to replace them, and I don't know that we have a natural replacement right now. Yep. Mm. Oh, that's fair enough. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts? Um, I think we uh, we need another tall defender, definitely. Mm. Um, I mean, as, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, we've got Carlisle, uh, Blee, Homsch, um, and I think Clurie's around that same height, even though he's a lot younger. Um, yep. You know, they're all around that 193 mark. And, you know, Dixon and Gold Coast, with all their oh, tools, no. really, ex- they really exposed us uh, on the weekend. And it's not the first time Essendon did it to us as well. Uh, we really need another defender, I'd say at least Trengo's height or around that versatile height anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, the key forwards uh, is a Monty. I guess we, you know, I guess we've got Mason Shaw, but how, uh, you know, he's only young, he's only, what, 18, so he's still probably a couple of years away anyway. And but, you know, looking at the Gold Coast, I mean, it's convenient because that's who we just played, but, yeah. I mean, they've got so many tools. I mean, is that what we do? We, we've got to look to the GWS, to the, <laughs> the, the Gold Coast list, and see if there's something we can just try and prize out of there. Um, you know, I mean, as they were talking about Gorringe as an example, I mean, he's going to probably no. be fourth on their pecking order. I'm not really, I don't want him, but I'm no. using him as an example. You know, is it, is it, we got to look at that, maybe try and see if there's a rough diamond there with the with the forwards or something that we might be able to get lucky with. And, you know, maybe we make an, a Hail Mary play for Jeremy Cameron, offer him a million bucks in our, mm. in our salary cap. And, uh, you know, maybe we get lucky. <laughs> well, look, I kind of think on Gold Coast, um, one of the things you're talking about, how the guys are so big, but that's actually all across every position. They seem to be bigger than us in almost every position except for Dion Prestia. Um, and that's just, that's recruiting. They've had that real uh, advantage over us and they've really been able to focus their list and make a theme. They're going to win because they're bigger and they're probably going to be better as well. Um, and I suppose I've talked about that as well in the past, how we seem to have a very scattershot uh, approach to recruiting um, where we've just rec- we've recruited best available, which I've always had disdain for. I think last year we did focus on bigger bigger bodies, and I'm hoping that we'll continue to do that because it's when you have a theme that you can actually build a strength that exists across the team. Um, I think the Crows had that with Neil Craig. As much as we don't like talking nice things about Neil Craig, I think that what he had is a bunch of players that could all plug in and play the same position pretty much as well as each other. And that got, was really great for mowing down crap sides, but against the best sides with elite skills... Maybe not so much, and I think that you need a theme to really break in there and be a regular competitor because it gives you something that's extremely hard to stop because you can't have 
a perfect match across the board. It's impossible. So whether that's going to be speed like Choco tried or if it's going to be, I don't know, um, contested ball, which I think we're trying for, um, we've got to have some common theme. We can't just keep, you know, picking whatever we like because we think it seems like the flavour of the month. I think we really need to have focused list management and I'm really hoping we'll see a theme that follows on from last year for a change. Mm. Rick, I think you're forgetting one thing um whilst mentioning Jeremy Cameron, I think you're forgetting that we can always trade Robbie Gray for Jonathan Patton. <laughs> That's yes, true. Yes, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Talk to me. <laughs> well, I, I think we should. I, I'm sold on that thread. I, I think we should do it straight away. Yeah. Do you? Even though Jonathan Patton's had about eight knee injuries, I, I think that's a, a really good trade to make. Uh, we could always trade uh, Alipati Carlisle, of course. I think we discussed that earlier. And uh, oh. we're talking about getting in that big defender. You swap him for a big defender that's got some quality and you're looking pretty good again. Well, as, I, as I said earlier on, I think uh, we made him a member of staff Neil Craig style. I think, we, I think uh, <laughs> Carlisle's going to be with us um, as far as the eye can see um, at the moment. Well, that just means he's under contract and he can't walk, that's all. True, true. Uh, just on the key position defenders, I think the good thing about this draft is there are quite a few um, homegrown, very tall key defenders that we could possibly get um, sort of second round onwards, um, talking about Cameron Giles and Jed Redden. I think both of them are around about the 196 plus um, centimetre mark, so they might be an option um, going down the draft path. Yeah, I haven't looked into that enough yet to comment. Mm. Um just something that I want to do is I'm, I'm just going to throw some names out there. I pretty much just want a yes, and, yes or a no answer and maybe <clears throat> a, a one-line response as to whether we should get them or not. Um, so number one is Jack Watts. Uh, look, I don't hate the idea, but I think he'll get um, bigger money elsewhere. Rick? I'm with Porsche. I think he'll be overvalued. Mm. And uh, I'm not willing probably to pay what he'll come in at. Yep, I'm happy to agree with that. So I think um, if you take away his number one draft ranking, I'm just not sure he's done enough. And to yeah, really but you can't take that away. We, yeah, true, but I just don't think he's done enough to justify what we would have to pay to get him. Um, yeah, definitely. So I think we'll leave them to the Victorian clubs to sort out that one. Um, number mm-hmm. two is uh, Scott Gumbleton. Uh, look, I liked Scott Gumbleton when he was a draftee, but he just... I don't know, he's the best tackle for a, a key position player I remember seeing, but uh, that was not really what you want in a key position forward. Um, I think he's just too injury prone and I don't want to take a risk, not trade off anything valuable for him. So if he came for basically free, yeah, you'd take him, but I don't want to give anything good up. Yep. I agree, 100%. I, I just, we've, had an, we've played with too many injury prone players mm. before and we don't need to take that risk. Yep, that's fair enough. Um, number three is Mitch Thorpe. Uh, nah, he burned me. <laughs> uh, look, um, I sort of was reasonably keen on him, not super keen, but reasonably keen on him uh, back in 2006. But all the everything you hear about him is that he's just completely full of himself for no apparent reason. And I've got nothing against fig jams as long as they're actually good. And that's why I love Wingard and that's why I'm not interested in Thorpe. <laughs> I uh, agree. Once again, I uh, you know playing in the Tasmanian League and dominating doesn't really translate to going to be a superstar AFL player. And uh, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think we we need him. Probably Redden can probably fill his uh, his same shoes. I'd imagine. I'd hope so. Mm. Yeah, I think if he's there in the rookie draft, then why not? Um, that would be the only place where I'd want to pick him up. Um, as mm. you said, Rick, I'm, I'm really not sure that kicking a million goals in the, the TFL is uh, is that big a deal, even though some people want to make it out to be. Um, and as you said, Porsche, he burned me as well because I was really into him that draft year. Um, <laughs> and he uh, he just did not want to come to Port Adelaide, so stuff him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why I'll never forgive Nick Stevens. I'm a horrible person, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I will never <laughs> forgive him either. Um, now, player number four is Eddie Betts. Uh, look, I like him, um, but I don't know that I $600,000 like him. Um, I thought that 400000 was probably a little bit too much for a four-year deal for Montreux, and at that price, I mean, he can sort of get stuffed unless it's for like one year and then we can renegotiate. Um, but, yeah, it's just so hard to justify, really. Yeah, mm. yeah I'm, I'm the same. I, I would suggest I'd be happy with three hundred and fifty. Um, you know, on average average salary mm. I think that'd be fine and he'd probably you know take over Jake Need's spot and, and do it probably pretty well and if not better you'd hope so but um, yeah. yeah not for 600 grand no 
I think he's he's probably suffered in that he's had um, his worst year of AFL football at, at exactly the wrong time. <laughs> I mean, if he was out of contract last year, you'd pro- you probably would pay six hundred thousand dollars for him because he would have oh. uh, maybe justified it. But now, when he's kicked something like seventeen goals in fifteen games, I mean, you're just not going to pay that much because there's always that theory of you know, is he over the hill now? You know, is he done? Can he get it back? Yeah, yeah, I'm just not sure 600 grand is is really worth it for him. Though I do think, um, yeah, I, I would be pretty happy if we if we did get him, just not at that price. I think. Yeah, I look when you're looking at that sort of money, and, and especially with the list where we're where we're currently at, um, you're sort of thinking, okay, well. I could pay $600,000 for any bets or we could just lock down Ollie Wines to like a five-year deal or something. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, player number five is Alan Didak. Nah, too old. Not worth it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, your thoughts? <laughs> uh, how can I uh, follow that? I agree. Too old. And he's just, uh, I think he's worn. And, you know, if we're going to carry Kane, Kane's starting to lose a bit of leg speed. Yeah. Um, we, we need more leg speed. We don't need to slow our stand. And no offence to Alan, he's been a great player, but I'd say time's gone past to come back here. Mm. I'm going to go against the grain and say two-year deal, yes, I would take him. Forward oh. pocket, kick us some goals, Alan. Yeah, I don't hate that, but I just wouldn't... I don't know. I'd... <sighs> All that stuff about his uh, things he's been doing off-field, I don't know. I just that, got that little bit of concern. I don't know. Hmm. Mm. Speaking of off-field, um, player number six is Dale Garlett. Ah, uh, look, I was keen on him. I'm still fairly keen on him as a punt, you know. If we're doing it like last pick in the draft or something, yeah, why not? Go for it. Well, his interview, um, I think it was on the in, on the Real Footy or website, um, uh, he said he, he was interested in Melbourne primarily, uh, the, the city. Um, if we can convince him to still come here, I would... I don't know. I'm pretty bullish. I'd probably need to go a, a second rounder, Porsche. I know. Oh, no, nah, no way. Nah, no. Nah. no. I'll let someone else take that risk any day. But he's got such X factor. He could make <laughs> such a big difference to our team. I mean, that's what we want, isn't it? Outside player with massive speed that can that can deliver. Oh gosh. No, I don't think I can be talked into it. Sorry, Rick. <laughs> If he's their third round, and I'm not sure he will be, I think he might go in the first yeah. two rounds. If he's their yeah. third round, I would take him every day of the week because I think he's he's worth the risk. Um, I think his form in the in the waffle this year has been fantastic, and he's got that real blend of uh, speed and endurance uh, that you love, Porsche. I think. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he kicks goals. He's got X factor. He can win the bowl. Yeah. He's exciting. You know, why wouldn't you take a, a second Chad Wingard if you can get him? He'll, oh, I reckon he'll end up at Hawthorne. That's my guess. Hawthorne. But yeah, they'll they'll manipulate something to uh, no. to get him. I think that if anyone doesn't care about people's character, it's Richmond, and he'll probably end up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next player is uh, Jared Polek. Uh I don't know. He's got too much of a price tag on him, I'd imagine, as far as what you'd have to dra- trade to get him. And uh, I don't think we're in the market for someone that uh, isn't pretty much a sure thing as far as trades are concerned. Yeah, I agree. He, um, I mean, has he even been playing lately? I, uh, I know he's had the injury concerns, but I mean, what he was a first round draft pick. They'll probably want something uh, similar in return, and yeah, you mm. probably would want to cough up a late, more than a late, late second rounder for him on what he's delivered so far. Yeah, I mean, if we could get a good deal like that, yeah, you'd probably do it just as a punt. But mm. I don't know. Maybe a player trade or something if a player wanted to move on. Yeah, yeah. Or if would we wanted to move someone like on. A, uh, would you do something like a second-round pick and maybe a Paul Stewart, someone like that? Oh, God, no. I'd rather keep Paul Stewart. Um, I don't... Yeah, I'd really rather keep Paul Stewart, actually. I still think he's got a bit of hope. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, next player is uh, Daniel Gorringe. Nah, nah. He's another James Seller. Not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I must admit... I think we need more of a key forward than a Rutman that can go forward. I think we might as well just work on Redden if that's the case. And we've got yeah. Renouf and and maybe just target uh, a cheap a cheap Rutman in the you know in the lower leagues or free agency if something comes up. But oh, uh, just rookie couple. That's all you do. Rookie couple. Yeah. Keep the three we got. We're fine. Yeah, that's right. I'd probably so I'd be saying no. And my last one is Stephen May from Gold Coast. Oh, he was really good on the weekend, I thought. Um, 
I'd be tempted. I don't know what I'd give up for him. <laughs> if we had only Pat Carlisle going somewhere else, then, yeah, you'd certainly look at getting May in for sure. Did you say Sam Day? Yeah, I'd go for Sam Day. <laughs> I thought you were talking about May. Yeah, yeah no, he was. I'm being a smart <laughs> Oh, well done. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no, look, again, it would, it would all come down to what we have to give up, and that's going to be the problem, I think. I'm really reluctant to break up any of our of our real starting 22 and, you know, a lot of these players, that's probably what we'd have to do. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't want us to get caught into that Neil Craig, we'll never trade anyone idea because that doesn't really work, especially when oh, you're no. dealing with fringe players. I think there's always people on the fringe you can sort of move on and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it makes room for people below them and it also keeps everyone remembered, oh, okay, that's right. Um, I do need to earn my spot. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not concerned about trading first 22, just not first 10, I suppose. Mm. But they're so young. Yeah. And it's, mm. we've got such a young side. I mean, and they've been showing so much promise. That would, you know, I, I can't think of anyone at the moment that I'd probably want to turf out, trade off this year. I mean, because Dom will probably retire, <laughs> I assume. We're going to lose probably a few others, bring them in. I'd really like to see how they go next year. Who stands up? Who doesn't maybe progress to the next level? I know everyone's been a bit critical on Jasper. You know, maybe if he didn't take it to the next level next year, well, maybe that's one person you look, you know, as an example that you look at maybe trading off then. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, I, I sort of agree that we've still got enough, uh, I don't know, dead weight outside of the AFL side that we can actually get rid of and sort of replace at this point. So I think we've got some, yeah, you're right, we've got some young talent and we've got some good makings, but we've still got to fill out the bottom yet. Mm. Yep, that's all good. Um, we might leave that there. That's a pretty good discussion about where we're at um, as a club. And um, we might move straight into the Fremantle game. Um, it's a pretty crucial game now. It, it could even be a, a must-win. Um, for us to make the finals now. Um, our record against Fremantle in uh, in recent years hasn't been all that great. Um, we've lost our last five against Frio, including our last three at Subi. The last time we won there was uh, round 10, 2008. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel Motlop and Warren Treasury went bananas um, and tore them apart. Um, Rick, how do you see this one turning out? Uh, hopefully it doesn't turn out messy. I, I think it might be another one of these Geelong games. I think we... We we might be overawed in the beginning. Um, I just I don't. They've got too much system and structure for for my liking at the moment, and I, I don't know if we're going to be able to uh, to combat it. And they, their high pressure game is so refri- refined, and that's what we get exposed with, especially early on when the heat's on. And um, you know, I mean, player to player, I think we match up okay. I think it's just our boys are still learning the game style, and I just yeah, I'm a bit worried. I'd. Yeah, I mean, it's just gonna it's gonna be a tough game. But saying that, I mean, teams have shown if you persevere with Frio, and if we can really get a running game going and be very effective and clean with our disposal, which has got to be right up there. We can't we can't operate at like 50, 60 percent disposal efficiency. Otherwise, we're going to get slaughtered. Um, you know, that's our best chance. So I'm really hoping that we run and are effective with our ball use, and if we can. We, we might be a chance. Uh, yeah, look, I, I sort of agree with Rick. I think that Fremantle this year, they're doing really well. I think, I don't know, I still part of me still feels that they're Fremantle. And because this is a game that they really should win, having won four on the trot at home right before finals, this is something that says to me that there's that little part in the Fremantle brain that says we will lose this week. Um, I kind of think that we can match them over there. I think that the ground will suit us. Um, I would... If we start strong, I think we can probably go the whole way. And I know that that's a big ask for us because we don't really start strong, but maybe this is the week we do. Um, we could really make a statement by winning this week. Uh, there's just one thing I'd like to address is this idea that, you know, we're constantly being hunted by Carlton and no one's actually talking about the fact, hey, we might finish sixth or seventh. Let, let's focus up, not down. I don't see the point in mm. worrying about Carlton mm. myself. That's very true. I mean, we are still in it for a home final. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That'd be mm. fantastic. That sort of did come as a surprise. I checked the ladder um, after the week and I thought, bloody hell, we're, we're actually still in it mm. for a home final. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how this one's going to go. I think we absolutely can win, um, depending mm. on how we start. 
I think this is going to be similar to sort of the West Coast, Sydney and Collingwood games. I think they, they all play a, a pretty similar style of game. And I think it's one that we, we can counteract pretty well. Um, it's really all about our in- intensity this week and making sure that we attack the ball and the player hard. A um, couple of questions is, uh, who's going to iron out Daniel Pearce? <laughs> Tom, Tom Jonas. Oh, and that's a waste of Jonas. I wouldn't use Jonas on him. Um, I don't know if you bring in uh, Ben Newton and tell him he's got a. If he beats uh, Daniel Pierce, he keeps his spot for next week. I think that'd be a pretty big incentive, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so you mean beat him to the ben, ball or oh, anywhere, whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that stops him getting the ball is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who does Kane Corns go to? Monday, Fife or Barlow? Oh gosh. Pass. <laughs> I reckon Barlow. I think that's probably the best matchup for him. Mm. I'm going to say Mundy. I think he will. Uh, I think he matches up pretty well against Mundy. If he can stop his contested possession and getting his hands on the ball at the clearances, I think that would go a long way um, to us winning the ball in the midfield. Um, the other uh, question I've got is um, how do you really counteract their small forward line? Because none of their key forwards have kicked any goals this year. It's all about the smalls. Oh, you can always just try and crowd them out. That's usually what we try and do, isn't it? Just crowd them out, flood it back, and uh, rely on the same things that we used to actually get goals. I mean, we don't have a reliable route to goal. We're always sort of winging it to some extent, and I think if we flood the back line, we're better at it than they are. Mm. Yep. Boring, I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, flood. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. It's old school, yeah. but hey, why not? Yeah, but that's what we've been doing most of the year, isn't it? Counter- counter-attack much. football. Yeah, yep. and I think that's probably going to be our strength going on to this. The only thing yeah. that really worries me is that it's a Fre- Port Fremantle match, so there's almost certainly going to be some sort of fight, um, particularly with finals <laughs> so close. And uh, we might end up with someone in Port being suspended. I'm going to tip Chad Wingard. <laughs> Chad Wingard. <laughs> I think, I think they'll, be, I, they will, they will pay a huge amount of attention to him this week. I would be not at all surprised if he got Crowley. Um, and uh, we know how that can probably go. So. Mm. I've never seen Chad lose his cool, though. Uh, on it's the first time. <laughs> we've never we've never really seen him put under physical pressure before either. Yeah, though, so. that's the thing. Mm. Especially if Crowley does go to him, and I, I reckon he might actually go to yep. him. A lot, a lot of people have said he will go to Boak, but I, I reckon he might go to Wingard. I think he will. Mm. Well, one of the uh, Frio um, supporters came on the board. Uh, I think it was today, and made comment that usually Crowley goes to our leading inside fifty player. Um, or the opposition's inside 50 player. and So, I mean, if you if you look at those stats, Chad or Travis are probably going to be the one of the two candidates, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and you'd say that um, Chad's probably a little bit more possible to manhandle than Boke at the moment. I think Boke's almost an unstoppable train at times, so uh, I think mm. I'd be putting Crowley on uh, Wingard and really just trying to frustrate Boke by cutting off his options, um, kicking into the forward line. Well, then we, we have to pull... Chad probably right back to the full forward line then and try and uh, let his aerial uh, skills take over Crowley, if that's the case. Uh, yeah, you could do that. You could also go the other way and play him sort of uh, more defensively, pull him into defence to actually um, sort of create and hopefully get through that half-forward line. So bring from, play from half-back through to half-forward. Mm. So, Rick, what, what's your prediction? Who do you think is going to win this one? All right, my prediction is... Uh, I can't pick Port. I can't pick Frio. So I'm going to pick a draw. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, That's a cop out. we play a good game. Frio keep people in with a shot. I reckon uh, we're going to charge home. We're going to be three goals down. And uh, I reckon I've got a feeling it's going to be a close game. And I reckon a draw could and a draw will be enough to seal us in the finals and maybe get, help us still get seventh spot. Mm, fair enough. Um, I'm going to say that uh, we'll be leading by about two goals at quarter time, dead level at half time, probably fall two goals behind at three quarter time, and then win by two goals in the end. That's going to be my guess. So win by two goals, about 12 points. Nice one. Well, I'm going to say I think we're a really big chance of winning this game. Um, I've picked mm. every, every single podcast so far this week, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go against the grain and say Fremantle by five points. Oh, with, boo. An ast- with an asterisk. <laughs> With an asterisk. <laughs> What's I'm, the I'm asterisk hoping, stand for? Well, I'm hoping for a, uh, a Scott Hodges-like kick uh, near the end of the siren by Westhoff. <laughs> by Westhoff? <laughs> for some redemption <laughs> against Gold Coast. That's uh, oh. a couple of years ago. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I'm thinking. God, he's shaky under pressure. Yeah. I hope it's not Westhoff having a kick for us to win the game. 
Well, it won't be Butcher, so that's Who'd you a pick, bonus. Rick? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Butch. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'd like Jonas to get a goal. That'd be nice. Yeah, yes. this is his one. Yep. Yeah, he, could, uh, yeah. he could celebrate like Lee Spur did last weekend. That was hilarious. I with didn't his, see it. You didn't see it with his first goal? No. Oh, God, he kicked his first goal and he was just pumped. 30 seconds, he was jumping up and down in the air. <laughs> and everyone, and all the commentators were like, why is, he, uh, why is he so excited? And then they were like, oh, I think it's his first goal. And he was still uh, still celebrating. Uh, good on him. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Nice one. Well, we might end it there. Um, Portia, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Portia, are you there? Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me. <coughs> That's okay. Yeah, I just um, said I just said no worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, Rick, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks, Craig, and thanks, Portia, for coming. It's been very entertaining. It's oh, been to hear great. It. Yeah. Um, so to all the listeners out there, remember to su- uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you want. Um, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Look out for our video highlights that we're going to upload soon. Um, join us on the forums. If, if you've got anything interesting to say um, about how the podcast's going, um, if there's something that you think you think we should talk about or that we need to cut out, um, let us know. And, of course, if you want to join the podcast, um, let us know as well. well. We'll try and get you on as soon as possible. Um, and don't forget. So don't forget, Craig, um, if anyone wants to ask Matt Richardson a question from Port Adelaide, hopefully I'll be, I'll be catching up with him this week and doing an interview, especially with memberships. Um, get, on the, uh, get on the forum and ask a question. Yes, there is you a need thread to ask there. You about the buses, Rick. I'll ask about the <laughs> yeah, buses. Yeah, ask about the buses. Got to ask about the buses. Twice. And Richmond. Ask, I'll ask, ask him about... twice about the buses. <laughs> and Richmond. I'll ask about the buses and Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> Nice one. <laughs> and then he'll yeah, walk out of the room. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I think we're going to say goodbye. <laughs> See you later. Bye. See you guys.